You know, February in North America, but also around the world, is an opportunity for all of us to celebrate Black History Month. And this week on our Life Center, on our so, all of our social media channels, we have been honoring both international but also local uh, African and Caribbean men and women of God who make a Jesus-sized difference or have made a Jesus-sized difference. And so if you open your Bibles, you can see there's a book in it called Revelations. And uh, it's not always a scary book, by the way. But I do want you to know that um, heaven sees and it honors diversity. Every language, nation, tribe, and tongue, and kindred, it's scripture says. So heaven is not just this homogenized uh, spirit realm. It, it sees color. It sees diversity, and it honors it. It doesn't diminish it in any way, shape, or form. And so today, on this Sunday in February, we wanted to take a moment as well, too, and say on earth as it is in heaven, at our last count at Life Center, there are a little over 55 different nations of the world uh, represented here who worship with us, and we absolutely celebrate that. But we think it's important that we would also see and honor and celebrate color. You know, whether it was Pastor William Seymour who led the Azusa Street Revival, which actually birthed the denomination that we're a part of, the Pentecostal denomination, or in Canada, if you look politically, it can be Senator Ann Cools, who founded one of Canada's very first women's shelters. There's a pastor in the city, if you don't know his name, I encourage you to, you can Google it, but Joseph Kiria who leads River Jordan Ministries here in the city and is doing amazing things for especially immigrants who come from Caribbean countries or African countries, really any countries, but in particular, does such extraordinary work uh, both here in Canada, but in particular here within Ottawa. And I know I'm barely scratching the surface. If you walk around Life Center, you can see the diversity, but in particular, the wonderful, wonderful richness that our brothers and sisters in Christ who are either from Africa or Caribbean descent, that they make a Jesus-sized difference here locally with us each and every week. You know, I personally agree with African theologian, or theologian, sorry, Walter R. Strickland II, how he said that reimagining the Christian tradition to include voices that have been obscured or marginalized isn't just good for marginalized Christians, it's good for all Christians, and I would agree. And so I want to say today on in February, in Black History Month, that we are Life Center because of you. And so keep loving and keep leading and keep speaking up and speaking out when necessary. And may the color of your skin beautifully distinguish and reflect God's design for humanity. And may the color of your skin as a prayer that we can together pray that I can pray. May the color of your skin never be something which limits you by others whose skin color looks like mine. This is not just a one culture issue. This is an all of us together reality that is experienced by our brothers and sisters, oftentimes from African or Caribbean nations. But I've learned through their generosity and their wisdom and their oftentimes even, you know, direct speaking, that it is important to not ever say, well, I just don't see color because the God of heaven sees color and to celebrate it and to say that it enriches who we are. And so Life Center today on Black History Month, we honor you 
and the Jesus-sized difference that you've made, are making, and will continue to make in the future. Together, we honor you. And last Sunday, Pastor Gabe spoke about generations. Everyone say generations. generations. By looking at how each generation has an opportunity, but also an obstacle to overcome. But they may overcome that differently. And he told the story of Joshua and Moses. And he did an extraordinary job. He did a wonderful job last week preaching and, and delivering God's word. And just before I define what our wholehearted final Sunday is today, can we also take a moment and celebrate that since July, 103 people have given their lives to Jesus. We celebrate that wholeheartedly. And this month we have been looking at this value of what it means to live a wholehearted life all of me, more of Jesus. That we bring our everything. We set lofty goals. We try, and then we try again. But Jesus sets us free. from. In other words, Jesus sets us free from thinking life is all about us. He sets us free from the traps of perfectionism in comparison. That we bring our best. That we put our best foot forward in everything that we do. But we, again, we don't believe that we're the hero of the story. We believe Jesus is. That Jesus is always greater and so that's this value that we have been speaking about through the month of February. And so to finish it, I want to use a very familiar expression. It's not a church expression. It's just an expression. And the expression, if you know it, could you please say it along with me and finish this with me? Don't sweat the... Okay, don't sweat the small stuff. In other words, we got big things to worry about. we got big things to focus on. There are big things that need our attention. Don't sweat the small stuff. Here's the problem that I would say with that advice. If you follow it, it will thwart you becoming like Jesus. Jesus says, actually, in some cases that may be perfectly applicable, but when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to growing as a follower of Jesus, that is terrible terrible advice. Jesus said, no, 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 it's terrible advice for you and I to ignore small things that become large things and then deal with them. That we can somehow live a life where we are always repairing where big things cause problems or we can prepare in the season where God speaks to us and we get to often and sometimes we get to choose which one or how we engage this. One of the signs that God is beginning to moving and move in your life, in your family, in the church that we're a part of, in the city that we live in, the nation that we live in, is all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit starts to convict you of the small stuff. Everyone say the small stuff. You go to watch something that you've watched before and all of a sudden you get, a, no, 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 don't watch it. And you're like, well, but I see other Christians on social media loving it. Why can't I watch it? And all of a sudden you feel this conviction. Or you used to say certain things and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, mm -mm, don't, don't say that. And you're like, mm -mm. or you used to do something. All of a sudden the things that never crossed your mind all of a sudden now float up to the surface and you're like, oh, 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 it's not everybody else who has an attitude problem. I might too. Oh, it's not only my spouse who needs to change. I do too. Oh, it's not only my kids who need to change. It's me as a parent. I need to change. You know, this weekend, three of our kids were at a retreat. And oh, was it glorious for the 24 hours, eh? Wasn't it? <laughs> clean the house. And you know what? By, by the Lord's grace, it stayed clean. 
And it was quiet, and we missed them, sure. But, man, it was a beautiful 24 hours. What a gift. 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 What time are they back? Some of you are looking at me new to church going, like, he's a horrible parent. Oh, you don't, you don't know the half of it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder. And anybody in the crowd who had not committed murder was like, whew, off the hook. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And everyone in the crowd again was like, yeah, absolutely, that's true. We've heard that. But then Jesus said, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister, anyone who has just ever been angry, is liable to judgment. I don't know if you've popped onto social media at all in the last five years, but we is angry. We're angry about anything and everything. We live outraged over everything. Everything, everything. I'm an Ottawa Senators fan, so I welcome your prayer. Although, Leaflands, you need big prayer today. <laughs> See, I couldn't let that one slide. I had to rub a little salt in there because I'm not sanctified yet. I, I got some areas where I have to grow. I have to grow. It's, it's okay. This is not a talkback moment right here. This is, a, this is a monologue, not a dialogue. If you want to, anything you want to say to me, you go to Jay Hillier at Community Pentecostal Church, and now he'll answer any email. He, he loves when I do that, by the way. Um, but nevertheless, it's, we're going to keep going. Okay, okay. <laughs> sweat the small stuff. Sweat the small stuff. Now, I don't mean sweat the small stuff, like live every day, like under condemnation, like you're never doing it right. It's always wrong. You never measure up. I'm not talking about low self-esteem. I'm not talking about like living always like I'm a worm. I'm nothing. That's, that's condemnation, and it has no place in following Jesus. But what I am talking about is beautiful conviction that leads us to holiness, that leads us to wholeness, that leads us to be more like Jesus. God often doesn't speak to you in earthquakes. He doesn't speak to you in lightning storms. He speaks with a small, still voice. And he starts things often in our lives very, very small. So I'm here to say this morning, sweat the small stuff. One time my father did something really beautiful. He took, he took me fishing. We're both city boys, and so it's not like we didn't fish a lot. It's going to become more evident by the story, but it was amazing. But it was remarkable. It was, it was an amazing gesture, and it, 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 I remember it. it so it made, a, it made an actually difference in my heart and life. It was a beautiful moment, an expression of love and bonding and spending time with me. But we actually went fishing and caught fish, which is great, because otherwise it's not fishing. It's just sitting in a boat. Um, I guess it's somewhat fishing. We don't catch anything. But anyways, we caught fish. But we, I don't know, if, like when I look back on the story, I don't know if we thought we were going to catch fish. Because then as city boys in the, in the rented boat, uh, we didn't know. We didn't, was, they were just flopping around on the bottom of the boat. Which again, you know, for some of you, like, that's no problem. For me, I'm like, oh, gross. Right? Like, don't, I, I don't like fish. I don't have to touch me. Like, yuck. So anyways... We drove back, and my father bought, I told the story in the first service, and I know what it's called now because someone told me what it's called, but we, he bought a, uh, I called it in the first service, a chain thing. It's called a stringer. 
And so it's like you hook, you take the fish off the bottom of the boat and you hook them onto the stringer and then it um, leaves them dangle in the water. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, you don't know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been fishing? Anyways, for some of you who are like loving animals, you're like, he's not even a bad parent. He's a horrible person. He's killing fish. He's killing fish, letting them flop in the bottom of the boat. Oh, it's going to get worse. So, so, my, so my father and I get all these fish onto this chain thing that they're uh, like hook, hooked through their gills. So they're dangling in the water, I guess so that they're fresh when you eat them later, right? That's, I told you, it's getting bad, bad story. Nevertheless, it gets worse right here where they're all fish are, you know, all now hooked to this chain thing. And my father takes the, the, the fish with all the, on, hooked onto the chain and he throws it over. We just forgot to attach the chain to the boat. <laughs> so as the fish, like now we're like in, like, like what? they're looking up at us like, you inhumane, what? What is your problem? Like, what did we ever do to you? And they're looking at us going, like, sweat the small stuff. <laughs> like, just hook it onto the boat. I'm sure they weren't saying that. I'm sure they were saying, let us go. But you know what's amazing? Do you know why I remember that story? It's because of this small detail. Has anyone here taken a trip or a vacation with people? And what you remember about it was this small thing that went wrong and changed all of your plans that actually diverted you into a glorious memory. Not at the time. At the time, you're like, man, this stinks. But later, it's the stuff that you look back and go, that's it. It's the small stuff that makes a difference. Well, this isn't new because in Joshua chapter 6, there's a story about the Israelites and they have this major victory and God uses them, and God does extraordinary supernatural things. He's still a way maker back then, miracle worker. That is who he is. And so he does. And there's this massively fortified city called Jericho. And God gives them very specific instructions, and they follow those instructions to a T. And the entire city falls, and the children of Israel overtake that city. It's the first city that, that happens under the leadership of Joshua. They've just crossed the Jordan River. And the children of Israel, again, by divine intervention, they take over the first city in this land of promise called Jericho. Again, by all means, uh, without God, Jericho was an impossibility. But with God, all things are... Yeah, all things are possible. But something happens in Joshua chapter 6, verse 19, and it says this, but all, everybody say all. It says, but all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy. They're set apart. They're not yours. They're God's. And they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Now, two things you should point out in that scripture. One is all and the other is treasury of the Lord. But the people of Israel in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1 says, it says that they... They broke faith in regards to the devoted things. For Achan, everyone say for Achan. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, and the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some, not all, just some of the devoted things. Now, we just read that they all belonged to God. They were to go in the treasury of the Lord. There's a reason for that in a moment. I'll explain that as best I can. 
And then it says in this moment that the anger or the holiness or the righteousness of God, it burned against the people of Israel. But here's the thing. Joshua didn't know. Only Achan knew what he had done. Joshua doesn't know. And so they continue to move forward. Jericho represented the first fruits of a new territory called Canaan that the children of Israel had entered. And like we talked about in January, when you and I receive a gift or receive income, that first 10% is holy. It belongs to the Lord. It's why we're called to give it or to return it because it belongs to the Lord and it makes the rest of our finances holy. You can go in October, listen to our generosity series. So this was happening in large in terms of Canaan. So Jericho falls. Every bit of it was holy unto the Lord. Um, In Deuteronomy chapter 7, the children of Israel were given this beautiful thing that the consecrated things, the devoted things, all of them in the first fruits, they belong to the Lord. And so this beautiful expression that God says, don't let those things stick to your hand. And that's an amazing thing because sometimes first things get stuck to our hands. I'm trying to give it. I'm trying to give it. All right? Sticky bandits there from that movie Home Alone. All right? Let them stick to your hands. So for a while, no one has any idea what Achan has done. In Joshua 7, they roll up on the whole children of Israel. They roll up on this really small, seemingly unfortified city called Ai. It's small in comparison to Jericho, and God has just used them to overwhelm Jericho. And so Joshua looks at Ai and essentially goes, ah, I think we can take it. All right? He does not know what Achan has done. He doesn't know that Achan has sinned against the Lord. He has no idea. And so rather than sending the whole army, he sends up a few thousand. Because again, the city, in comparison to what God has just done, this is a big deal, and now this is just small stuff. And instead of going all in, again, they send up a few thousand men, and they are routed. They are absolutely obliterated. They are destroyed. And there's a principle that we see in the Old Testament that continues in the New Testament, and I would say it this way. You are no match for the enemy. In your own strength, as big and bad and strong as you are, you're no match for the enemy. But the, but God, the enemy is no match for God. And so there's something for you and I even to learn that we don't fight spiritual battles in natural means. They don't work. It's not how they work, but when we trust and surrender and allow God to move into our hearts. You know, the book of James articulates it so well. It says, resist the devil and he will. But what does it say right before that is so significant? Submit to God, then resist, and he'll flee. So many of us just want to do the resisting piece, and we wonder why we're having no breakthrough whatsoever, because submission comes before resisting. It's a spiritual thing before a natural thing. It's not rooted in us. It's rooted in what God's going to do, just like is happening here. Same God yesterday, today, and forever. Okay? So anyways, they're routed. Joshua falls on his face, and he starts to pray, and here's what God says. I think it's beautiful, because God is good, and he's kind, and sometimes he just gives tough love. Here's what it says. The Lord said to Joshua, thousands of his countrymen have just been routed, and he has no idea why. And the Lord says to him, get up. Or more emphatically, get up. Yep. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed. So they have fallen short. And they have behavior that is crooked. 
This is exactly what he's saying. They, they've broken trust with my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some. Everyone say some. This is so important. Here's what God says. They have taken some of the devoted things. Now, Achan took not all. He took what? Some. And what does God bring justice? Not overdrawn. He speaks specifically as to what has occurred. They have stolen and they have lied. And they have put among their own belongings. In short, God says to Joshua, I'm teaching you to sweat the small stuff. That the small stuff is significant stuff still. That it may seem insignificant to you, but it is significant. Not just to me, but to who we as a people are called to be. In Joshua 7, verses 20 to 21, it says that Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak, oh, a beautiful cloak, from Shinar, and 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted, everyone say I coveted, that I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. And so he has this moment. And if you read the scriptures, and it's this hard, hard moment and lesson. And Achan and his family and all of his belonging, even his oxen and his donkey and his sheep are destroyed. And one of the things when you're reading the Bible in 2020 is it's oftentimes we read it from a place of where we are and we look back with judgment. But good, good theologian, theologians in scriptural reading is to understand the culture in the context of the time and then extrapolate that forward. And so a bad interpretation of that would be, whoa, unjust God, petty God, not loving God. That would be such an unjust and unfair and actually silly interpretation of the text. Because here's the true interpretation of what is occurring. And this is a bit of the explanation. It says that everything from Jericho was to go into the treasury of the Lord, which is all for the children of Israel. And so here's the question. Why take when at a later time God can provide? That the heart of this is about trust. The heart about this is, God, I don't trust. So Achan got to this place of saying, God, I don't trust you to provide for my life. So you're not provider. I am provider. I'm going to worship created things, not the creator. I'm not going to surrender. In other words, I'm going to engage this even though I know it's disobedient. And there's another warning that we can see in here that you and I know all too well in our culture, in our, in our families, in our culture, in our lives. We know two things. We know two things. That big stuff always starts with small drift. Big stuff always starts with these small little compromises, these small little things that we just brush away and brush away and brush away. And when we do that, oftentimes we can be dulling our ears. It isn't that God isn't speaking, but we become so desensitized because of our disobedience. That it's not that God isn't speaking, that we've just lost this soft heart of receptivity. Another thing that I think is so tragic in the story is because of the sin of Achan, Thousands of others have lost their lives. And how many of you know that sin never stays in place? There's collateral damage. And if you don't believe me, you can watch story after story after story after story. Hit the news. 
of organizations, of individuals, of churches, of whatever you want to put within there that did extraordinary things and that some within them did horrendous and horrible and crimes and despicable things. And they may be covered for a season, but the Bible says that sin always finds its way out. And there are these moments where that which is hidden becomes revealed. Galatians 5 verse 9 says, it's a little bit of leaven that leavens the whole lump. What's the message here? Sweat the small stuff. Not from condemnation, but go there. Let God go there. James chapter 3 verses 4 to 6 says, look at the ships also. They are so large and they are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Whenever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, by a show of hands. Has anyone's tongue ever got them in trouble? <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah. It's this small thing. It's this small, small thing. Sweat. Sweat the small stuff. Not only on the sin side or not only on the bad side, not only on the stopping side, but also on the surrender side, also on the good side, also on the starting side. Because see, the, the, the opposite is not just the, the negative here. It's also true that breakthrough can often begin in our lives by a seemingly small step that is not connected to a large dream. Despise not small beginnings. Why? Because they're easy to despise. They're easy to miss. They're easy to overlook. That sometimes saying yes to go to a life group or yes to take a class or yes to step out of a boat or yes, I'll go there or yes, I'll open my heart to that in prayer or no, I won't just be dismissive of that. And listen, none of us do this perfectly, but the softer our hearts get before the Lord, it is in that place where God will begin to speak because sometimes the breakthrough that you are praying for over here, God will start over here and he doesn't do it because he's a god of misdirection he's a god who knows all things and he knows where to begin because often where we think it needs to start can be different with god knows where it needs to start so again we're reading a story that's a tough story in the book in the old testament and just as a quick side note, then a jump back is if you think that, oh, that's a tough Old Testament story. I'm glad we're in the New Testament and under grace. Everyone said, well, the problem is we can talk about Ananias and Sapphira, but that's a conversation for a different day. See, in the, in the, in the, in the story of Ai in Joshua chapter 7, there's a powerful principle, and it's this. We don't know what we don't know we don't know. We don't know. A lot of us are sometimes unaware of the things in our lives maybe that God wants to speak to us about. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know. We just don't know. We're clueless to it. But there are moments where God wants you to begin to know something about him. He wants you to know something about you. He wants you to know something about how you've been handling things. That he wants to begin to speak to your heart about something. And I love what Mark Twain said. It isn't the things in scripture that I read that I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that do, that I read that I do understand. 
Those are the things that like wrestle in my soul. If you have it in your hands to do good, then do it. It's the things that we do understand. So like Joshua, he didn't know what he didn't know. But then there comes a moment when he knows. And when we know, small stuff becomes big stuff. Because when we know and we don't, that is now no longer just about this. It is about trust. It is about surrender. It's about obedience. It's about God. I, I love the things of the kingdom. I just don't want you. But the opposite is equally true. When we know and we do, all of a sudden God begins to move in our hearts and in our lives. You know, surrender, obedience, doesn't mean immediate victory. That's not what it means. So it's like, man, if I'm obedient here, if I sweat the small stuff and I say yes, then automatically I'm going to overcome. That's maybe. But what I would say is you're on the path to overcoming, but you may not see it for a bit. That surrender doesn't mean immediate victory, but it does mean instantaneous blessing. It's what it means. As we've been mentioning over and over and over again at Life Center in the last years, this whole idea of the Shema, which is not just hear God's word, but respond to it and obey. Say yes to it. There's a blessing that comes by trusting God enough to be obedient. In the Old Testament story, think about it this way. Think about you have a job and you get paid every two weeks. But you get paid on Friday. And let's say Thursday you go shopping and you go to a store and you see an item that you want, but on Thursday, it's not yet payday, so you don't have the funds for it. But you will tomorrow. And 24 hours is a small thing. So you just take from the store what you want, because tomorrow you'll have the money, but you want it now because you've got an event to go to that night and you will look fine. So you take it, and you begin walking out of the store. And a lovely security individual comes up to you and says, that's not yours. And you say to them, don't worry about it. It's a small thing. I'm getting paid tomorrow. I'm good for it. How many of you know it's not a small thing, those 24 hours, because it's the difference between a transaction and a crime? In other words... There's provision coming tomorrow that you don't yet have today. And so in a sense, that's what Achan does. Rather than trust God to do what he could do tomorrow, in his own strength, he does today. And God says to Achan, that's not a small thing. You're not trusting that I am the one who can provide. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus describes it this way, and it's our last one. And he said these things. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you were nursed. But Jesus said, or he said, Blessed, everyone say blessed. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What did he say? Blessed. Do you want a blessing? I do. I'm going to walk in blessing. Jesus said it's about hearing the word of God. In other words, I didn't know what I didn't know, but all of a sudden now I know, and I'm responsible now with what I know. 
I hear it and then walk in it. And so hearing the word of God, knowing what I know that I now know, I'm responsible for it. And then obedience, now I trust God with what I know more than I trust myself with what maybe I didn't know or what I was trusting before. So my question is, any small stuff that God has been speaking to you about? You know, Life Center is made up of a collection of individuals that together we become a body using all the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us. And I want to do something in closing that my father did for me as a young minister that I'll never forget. And I often am reminded of it. One day I was here at the church and um, he just called me and said, I, I want you to meet me outside. And I was like, okay. So I met him outside and he had me look across in this road to the left. So I was, you know, just... No, I was looking across. And he just said, you know, when we built the church here in, on Ennis Road. It didn't start here. It started in the Talisman, the West End. But when we built the church here, he just said, I want you to, to notice something. That that's God's field over there. And God can do whatever God wants to do. And everyone says, sure. But God seems to use people to do extraordinary things. So I want you to look at God's field over there. And then I want you to look at the church that God is building over here. And he began to talk about individual sacrifices and donations. He began to talk about people that volunteered their time and gave up vacation time. And then he began to tell stories about this person went through the Bible school and they started a church there. And he began to talk about the services. And from this building, six and seven other churches in the city and campuses have been planted. And then he kept saying, but look over there, that's God's field. But look what happens when God begins to move in our midst and we, as an individual that becomes a body, begin to say, yes, God, I'm going to hear your voice. I'm going to sweat the small stuff and I'm going to surrender and you can use my life to make a Jesus-sized difference. And so when you're walking outside, I want you to see, yeah, God can do whatever God wants to do. But oftentimes you are one yes away and I am one yes away from God doing something significant in my life. And here's where I want to end. You know, all of us are small stuff in the grand scheme of life. But here's what I want you to know. God sweats the small stuff. That he does not see you as insignificant. And don't you dare diminish the work and the person of Jesus Christ in your life, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, the gift that he has given you is not yours to bury under the earth. It is to be given as a blessing so that this body can see fully who Jesus is. And so, yeah, all of us are not the heroes of the story. Jesus is, but he wants to use every one of our lives collectively to make a Jesus-sized difference. In Genesis, the story starts with a garden. In Revelation, it ends as a city. In other words, there is this progressive building that God is doing. So when you're walking out today, that's God's field, and it's been the same since we moved in. He can do whatever he wants. But if you look at this space, look what God does when people sweat the small stuff and have the courage to say yes to the adventure that God has for them. The city can never be the same.